Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Saturday, February 25th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host. Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Uh, definitely worth your while to get over there and look through and find yourself some stuff to listen to. Uh, great men and women of God over there putting together some wonderful content. It's definitely worth your while. Um, and believe me, you'll get over there and find more than what you need to listen to. Um, and the fact is, what you'll end up finding out is you don't have enough time to listen to all the things you want to listen to. So let's go ahead and get, get started this morning. We're going to go ahead and do our reading. And then this evening, uh, for the evening segment, we'll continue to do our reading of Thomas Watson's A Godly Man's Picture. But let's do our Bible reading this morning. We're going to open up like we usually do on Saturday with the seventh day morning prayer. It's called God's Good Pleasure. Let's pray. Sovereign Lord, thy will is supreme in heaven and earth, and all beings are creatures of thy power. Thou art the father of our spirits. Thy inspiration gives us understanding. Thy providence governs our lives. But, O oh God, we are sinners in thy sight. Thou hast judged us so, and if we deny it, we make thee a liar. Yet in Christ thou art reconciled to thy rebellious subjects. Give us the ear of faith to hear him, the eye of faith to see him, the hand of faith to receive him, the appetite of faith to feed upon him, that we might find in him light, riches, honor, eternal life. Thou art the inviting one. May we hearken to thee. The Almighty Instructor, teach us to live to thee. The Light Dweller, inaccessible to man and angels, hiding thyself behind the elements of creation, but known to us in Jesus. Possess our minds with the grandeur of thy perfections. Thy love to us in Jesus is firm and changeless. Nothing can separate us from it, and in the enjoyment of it nothing can make us miserable. Preserve us from hypocrisy and formality in religion. Enable us to remember what thou art and what we are to recall thy holiness and our unworthiness. Help us to approach thee clothed with humility. For vanity, forwardness, insensibility, disorderly affection, backwardness to duty, proneness to evil are in our hearts. Let us never forget thy patience, wisdom, power, faithfulness, care, and never cease to respond to thy invitations. Amen. All right. And now our uh, devotion for February 25th, the morning one. The text comes from Ra uh, Matthew 3, 7, the wrath to come. It is pleasant to pass over a country after a storm has spent itself, to smell the freshness of the herbs after the rain has passed away, and to note the drops while they glisten like purest diamonds in the sunlight. That is the position of a Christian. He is going through a land where the storm has spent itself upon his Savior's head. And if there be a few drops of sorrow falling, they distill from clouds of mercy. And Jesus cheers him by the assurance that they are not for his destruction. But how terrible is it to witness the approach of a tempest, to note the forewarnings of the storm, 
to mark the birds of heaven as they droop their wings, to see the cattle as they lay their heads low in terror, to discern the face of the sky as it groweth black, and look to the sun which shineth not, and the heavens which are angry and frowning. How terrible to await the dread, the dread her, oh, advance of a hurricane, such as occurs sometimes in the tropics, to wait in terrible apprehension till the wind shall rush forth in fury, tearing up trees from their roots, forcing rocks from their pedestals, and hurling down all the dwelling places of man. And yet, sinner, this is your present position. No hot drops have as yet fallen, but a shower of fire is coming. No terrible winds howl around you, but God's tempest is gathering its dread artillery. As yet the water floods are dammed up by mercy, but the floodgates shall soon be opened. The thunderbolts of God are yet in his storehouse, but lo, the tempest hastens, and how awful shall that moment be when God, robed in vengeance, shall march forth in fury. Where, 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 O sinner, wilt thy hide thy head? Or whither wilt thou flee? O that the hand of mercy may not lead you to or may now lead you to Christ. He is freely set before you in the gospel. His riven side is the rock of shelter. Thou knowest thy need of him. Believe in him. Cast thyself upon him, and then the fury shall be overpassed forever. All right, all right. Let's get on into our reading for the day. We're going to start in Leviticus 16. Sorry, I had to get it up there so I know where I'm starting. Uh, Leviticus 16, we are starting in verse 29. We'll be reading through Leviticus 17 and into Leviticus 18. So Leviticus 16, verse 29. Hear the word of the Lord. And this shall be a perpetual statute for you. In the seventh month, on the seventh day of the month, you shall humble your souls and not do any work, whether the native or the sojourner who sojourns among you. For it is on this day that atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you. You will be clean from all your sins before Yahweh. It is to be a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, that you may humble your souls. It is a perpetual statute. So the priest who is anointed and ordained to minister as a priest in his father's place shall make atonement. He shall thus put on the linen garments, the holy garments, and make atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting, and for the altar. He shall also make atonement for the priests, and for all the people of the assembly. Now you shall have this as a perpetual statute, to make atonement for the sons of Israel, for all their sin, sins once every year. And just as Yahweh had commanded Moses, so he did. Uh, shoot. Sorry changed the wrong tab there. All right, in Leviticus 17. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, and to all the sons of Israel, and say to them, This is what Yahweh has commanded, saying, Any man from the house of Israel who slaughters an ox or a lamb or a goat in the camp, or who slaughters it outside the camp, and has not brought it to the doorway of the tent of meeting to bring it near as an offering to Yahweh before the tabernacle of Yahweh, it will be counted as blood guiltiness to that man. He has shed blood, and that man shall be cut off from among his people. The reason is so that the sons of Israel may bring their sacrifice, which they were sacrificing in the open field, that they may bring them into Yahweh, at the doorway of the tent of meeting, to the priest, and sacrifice them as sacrifices of peace offerings to Yahweh. And the priest shall splash the blood on the altar of Yahweh at the doorway of the tent of meeting, and offer up the fat and smoke as a soothing aroma to Yahweh. And they shall no longer sacrifice their sacrifices to the goat demons with which they play the harlot. This shall be a perpetual statute to them throughout their generations. 
Then you shall say to them, Any man from the house of Israel, or from the sojourners who sojourn among them, who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice, and does not bring it to the doorway of the tent of meeting, to offer it to Yahweh, that man also shall be cut off from his people. And any man from the house of Israel, or from the sojourners who sojourn among them, who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood, and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Therefore I said to the sons of Israel, No person among you may eat blood, and no sojourner who sojourns among you may eat blood. So any man from the sons of Israel, or from the sojourners who sojourn among them, who in hunting catches a beast or a bird which may be eaten, shall pour out its blood and cover it with earth. For as for the life of all flesh, its blood is identified with its life. Therefore I said to the sons of Israel, You are not to eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh is its blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. And when any person eats an animal which dies or is torn by beast, whether he is a native or a sojourner, he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and remain unclean until evening. Then he will become clean. But if he does not wash them or bathe his body, then he shall bear his guilt. Leviticus 18, we're going to read through to verse 30. I think that's correct. Yeah, we're going to read through to verse 30. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am Yahweh your God. You shall not do according to what is done in the land of Egypt, where you live, nor are you to do according to what is done in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You are to do my judgments and keep my statutes, to walk in them. I am Yahweh your God. So you shall keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does them, he shall live by them. I am Yahweh. None of you shall approach any blood relatives of his to uncover nakedness. I am Yahweh. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, that is, the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You are not to uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. The nakedness of your sister, either your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether born at home or born outside, their nakedness you shall not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, their nakedness you shall not uncover, for their nakedness is yours. The nakedness of your father's wife's daughter, born to your father, she is your sister, you shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister, she is your father's blood relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is your mother's blood relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother, you shall not approach his wife, she is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law, she is your son's wife, you shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife, it is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and of her daughter, nor shall you take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness, they are blood relatives, it is lewdness. And you shall not marry a woman in addition to her sister as a rival while she is alive to uncover her nakedness. Also you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness during her menstrual impurity. And you shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife to be defiled with her. And you shall not give any of your seed to pass them over to Moloch, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am Yahweh. And you shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. Also you shall not lie with any animal to be defiled with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. So do not defile yourself by any of these things. For by all these the nations which I am casting 
casting out before you, have become defiled. So the land has become defiled, and I have brought its punishment upon it, and the land has vomited out its inhabitants. But as for you, you shall keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not do any of these abominations, neither the native nor the sojourner who sojourns among you. For the men of the land who have been before you have done all these abominations, and the land has become defiled, so that the land will not vomit you out, should you defile it, as it has vomited out the nation which has been before you. For whoever does any of these abominations, those persons who do so shall be cut off from among their people. Thus you are to keep my charge, that you do not do any of the abominable statutes which have been done before you, so as not to defile yourself with them. I am Yahweh your God. All right, and now Mark 7, verses 24 through the end of the chapter and into Mark 8. Now Jesus stood up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he was wanting no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Greek of Syrophoenician descent, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having left. And again he went out from the region of Tyre, and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, within the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him one who was deaf, and spoke with difficulty, and they pleaded with him to lay his hand on him. And Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself, and put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting he touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven with a sigh, he said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began speaking plainly. And he gave them orders not to tell anyone, but the more he was ordering them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. And they were utterly astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. All right, Mark 8, verses 1 through 10. In those days, when there was again a large crowd, and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the crowd because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from a great distance. And his disciples answered him, Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? And he was asking them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them. And he kept giving them to his disciples to serve to them, and they served them to the crowd. And they also had a few small fish, and after he blessed them, he ordered these to be served as well. And they ate and were satisfied, and they picked up seven large basket, baskets full of what was left over of the broken pieces. Now about four thousand were there, and he sent them away. And immediately he entered the boat with his disciples and came to the district of Dalmanutha. All right. Now Psalm 41. For the choir director of David. How blessed is he who considers the poor. Yahweh will provide him escape in a day of calamity. Yahweh will keep him and keep him alive. And he shall be blessed upon the earth. 
and do not give him over to the desire of his enemies. Yahweh will sustain him upon his sickbed. In his illness you restore him to health. As for me, I said, O Yahweh, be gracious to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak evil against me. When will he die, and his name perish? And when he comes to see me, he speaks worthlessness. His heart gathers wickedness to itself. When he goes outside, he speaks it. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me they devise for me calamity, saying, A vile thing is poured out upon him, that when he lies down he will not rise up again. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Yahweh, be gracious to me and raise me up, that I may repay them. By this I know that you delight in me, because my enemy makes no shout and triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity, and you make me stand firm in your presence forever. Blessed be Yahweh, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and Amen. And now Proverbs 10, verses 15 and 16. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The ruin of the poor is their poverty. The wages of the righteous is life. The income of the wicked punishment. All right, well, that is our reading for this morning. Um, thank you for spending this time with me. I hope this exposure to the word has helped. I know there are some out there that honestly sit down and struggle to sit down and read. Um, not because they don't love to read the scriptures or whatever. I, my wife has this problem with some of the illnesses she has. Part of what has come on is a type of brain fog, and it makes it hard for her at times to be able to sit down and partake of the word by reading it. So being able to listen to it is a boon for her. So so that that's part of what motivated me to do this. So I hope that this time in the reading is helpful for those who can't. For me, I actually do listen to some programs where I'm listening to the reading as well. Um, it's just very helpful for me on top of my regular reading. So again, I hope this time was, was good for you. Um, I hope you go out and have yourself a great day, a great weekend. I hope you're preparing to go to church either Saturday night or Sunday this weekend um, to worship with the saints because we are all called to do that. Um, I would definitely continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. And God willing, I will be with you this evening. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Uh, the one we're going to close with from Valley of Vision is called God Honored. Let's pray. O God, praise waiteth for thee, and to render it is my noblest exercise. This is thy due from all thy creatures, for all thy works display thy, thy attributes and fulfill thy designs. The sea, dry land, winter, winter cold, summer heat, morning light, evening shade are full of these, and thou givest me them rich, richly to enjoy. Thou art King of kings and Lord of lords. At thy pleasure empires rise and fall. All thy works praise thee, and thy saints bless thee. Let me be numbered with thy holy ones. Resemble them in character and condition. Sit with them at Jesus' feet. May my religion be always firmly rooted in thy word. My understanding divinely informed. My affections holy and heavenly. My motives simple and pure. And my heart never wrong with thee. Deliver me from the natural darkness of my own mind from the corruption of my heart, from the temptations to which I am exposed, from the daily snares that attend me. I am in constant danger while I am in this life. Let thy watchful eye ever be upon me for my defense. Save me from the power of my worldly and spiritual enemies and from all painful evils to which I have exposed myself. Until the day of life dawns above, let there be unrestrained fellowship with Jesus. Until fruition comes, may I enjoy the earnest of my inheritance and the first fruits of the Spirit. 
until I finish my course with joy, may I pursue it with diligence, and every part display the resources of the Christian, and adorn the doctrine of Thee, my God, in all things. Amen. All right, again, thank you for spending this time with me. Um, hope to see you this evening. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Saturday, February 25th episode. That's episode 178 of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. Uh, we are the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at ChristianPodcastCommunity.org. I would definitely recommend you get over there. Um, you got Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report. Uh, you've got um, Chris Huff's Matter of Theology. Actually, Chris and Drew Von Nita's Matter of Theology. You've got Chris Honholz and Rich Story doing Voice of Reason Radio. Um, you've got uh, Nathaniel Jolly and Eki Tepsa Pornchise. Um, oh, I can't believe I went blank. Hang on a minute. Um, I listen to them every day or I listen to them every episode they put out and I went blank and I apologize to them and to you that I can't remember. Um, uh, truth be known. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Um, truth be known podcast. Uh, you've got you've got Gene Gene Clyatt, uh, the squirrel. You've got Squirrel Chatter over there, um, and you've got many, many, many more. I mean, those are ones I particularly listen to, but there are so many more over there I want to listen to. And like I've said before, I don't have the time to fit them all in. Uh, and I'm thinking about doing some juggling and listening to others and swap around. Or my pastor even suggested speeding them up, being able to taking them and adjusting the speed up where I can still understand what's being said, but it's faster so I can fit more in. And I'm seriously considering it. So, hey, <laughs> if you want to do that, more power to you. Um, it would be wonderful. It's definitely worth your while getting over there. Um, so today, this evening, we're going to continue on with our reading through uh, Thomas Watson's A Godly Man's, um, the, the Godly Man's Picture. Um, what we're probably going to do, and I'm just letting you know, what we're probably going to do is I'm going to go ahead and continue and read through the rest of the book, and then we'll get back into our study in John chapter 6 um, after the feeding of the 5,000. We're towards the end of that, and we're starting to deal with the bread of life conversation um, and and um, Jesus's discourse on him being the bread of life and that I am statement there. So we'll get back into that, but I want to go ahead and read through this. It, it's one, it's given me a nice break to give me time to do more study, which has been wonderful so I can get ahead and get prepared. Um, but it's also been so edifying to read Thomas Watson's work. <coughs> it has been great for me. I hope it has been great for you. And I'm sorry, I'm drying out a little bit here. Um, So with all that said, let's go ahead and dive in and uh, let's go ahead and pray. We're going to open up this evening with the Lord's Day Eve prayer since it's Saturday evening. Uh, so let's go ahead and pray. All right. God of the passing hour, another week has gone and I have been preserved and my going out and my coming in. Thine has been the vigilance that has turned threatened evils aside. Thine the supplies that have nourished me. Thine the comforts that have indulged me. Thine the relations and friends that have delighted me. Thine the means of grace which have edified me. Thine the book which amidst all my enjoyments has told me that this is not my rest, that in all successes one thing alone is needful to love my Savior. Nothing can equal the number of thy mercies but my imperfections and sins. 
These, O God, I will neither conceal nor palliate, but confess with a broken heart. In what condition would secret reviews of my life leave me, were it not for the assurance that with thee there is plenteous redemption, that thou art a forgiving God, that thou mayest be feared. While I hope for pardon through the blood of the cross, I pray to be clothed with humility, to be quickened in thy way, to be more devoted to thee, to keep the end of my life in view, to be cured of the folly of delay and indecision, to know how frail I am, to number my days and apply my heart unto wisdom. Amen. All right, and now our evening devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for February 25th. The text is from Jonah 1.3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. Instead of going to Nineveh to preach the word as God bade him, Jonah disliked the work and went down to Joppa to escape from it. There are occasions when God's servants shrink from duty. But what is the consequence? What did Jonah lose by his conduct? He lost the presence and comfortable enjoyment of God's love. Excuse me. When we serve our Lord Jesus as believers should do, our God is with us. And though we have the whole world against us, if we have God with us, what does it matter? But the moment we start back and seek our own inventions, we are at sea without a pilot. Then may we bitterly lament and groan out, O oh my God, where hast thou gone? How could I have been so foolish as to shun thy service, and in this way to lose all the bright shinings of thy face? This is a price too high. Let me return to my allegiance, that I may rejoice in thy presence. In the next place, Jonah lost all peace of mind. Sin soon destroys a believer's comfort. It is the poisonous upas tree from whose leaves distill deadly drops which destroy the life of joy and peace. Jonah lost everything upon which he might have drawn for comfort in any other case. He could not plead the promise of divine protection, for he was not in God's ways. He could not say, Lord, I meet with these difficulties in the discharge of my duty, therefore help me through them. He was reaping his own deeds. He was filled with his own ways. Christian, do not play the Jonah unless you wish to have all the waves and the billows rolling over your head you will find in the long run that it is far harder to shun the work and will of God than to at once yield yourself to it. Jonah lost his time, for he had to go to Nineveh after all. It is hard to contend with God. Let us yield ourselves at once. All right, and now into our reading of the godly of a godly man's picture. Sorry, I'm missing my... Hmm. Huh. Sorry, I'm reading it electronically and I'm trying... Oh, there it is. I'm trying to take the bookmark out so it doesn't bring me back there. Okay, so again, we're reading in a godly man's the godly man's picture from Thomas Watson. And we're in the section about showing the characteristics of a godly man. And we're in section number 12, um, which is the godly man is a man of prayer. So section 12. And we're going to read just this section today. A godly man is a praying man. Let everyone who is godly pray to you. Psalm 32, 6. As soon as grace is poured in, prayer is poured out. But I give myself to prayer. Psalm 109, 4. In the Hebrew, it is but I prayer. Prayer and I are all one. Prayer is the soul's communion with heaven. God comes down to us by his spirit and we go up to him by prayer. Caligula placed his effigies in the capital, whispering in Jupiter's ear. Prayer whispers in God's ear. A godly man cannot live without prayer. 
A man cannot live unless he takes a breath, nor can the soul unless it breathes forth its desires to God. As soon as the babe of grace is born, it cries. No sooner was Paul converted than, behold, he prays, Acts 9.11. No doubt he prayed before, being a Pharisee, but it was either superficially or superstitiously. But when the work of grace has passed upon his soul, behold, now he prays. A godly man is on the mount of prayer every day. He begins the day with prayer. Before he opens his shop, he opens his heart to God. We burn sweet perfumes in our houses. A godly man's house is a house of perfume. He airs it with the incense of prayer. He engages in no business without seeking God. Scipio never entered into the Senate house without first ascending the capital where he did his devotion. A godly man consults God in everything. He asks God's permission and his blessing. The Grecians ask counsel at their oracles. So a godly man inquires at the divine oracle. Genesis 24.12 1 Samuel 23.3-4 A true saint continually shoots his heart up to heaven by sacred exclamations of prayer. Question. Is prayer a sign of a godly man? May not a hypocrite pray eloquently and with seeming devotion? Answer. He may. They seek me daily. Isaiah 58.2 But a hypocrite does not pray in the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18 A man may have the gift of prayer and not have the spirit of prayer. Question. How shall we know that we have the spirit of prayer? Answer. When the prayer which we make is spiritual. Question. What is it to make a spiritual prayer? Answer number one, when we pray with knowledge, under the law, Aaron was to light the lamps when he burned the incense on the altar, Exodus 30 verse seven, incense typified prayer and lighting the lamps typified knowledge. When the incense of prayer burns, the lamp of knowledge must be lit. I will pray with the understanding, first Corinthians fourteen fifteen. We must know the majesty and holiness of God so that we may be deeply affected with reverence when we come before him. We must put up those petitions that are exactly adequate and agreeable to God's will. Do not be rash with your mouth to utter anything before God, Ecclesiastes 5.2. The Lord would not have the blind offered to him, Malachi 1.8. How can we pray with affection when we do not pray with judgment? The papists pray in an unknown tongue. Christ may reply to them as he did to the mother of Zebedee's children. You do not know what you ask, Matthew 20.22. 20, he that prays, he knows not how, shall be heard, he knows not when. Answer 2. A spiritual prayer is when the heart and spirit pray. There are not only words, but desires. It is excellent when a man can say, Lord, my heart prays. Hannah prayed in her heart, 1 Samuel 1.13. The sound of a trumpet, trumpet comes from within, and the excellent music of prayer comes from within the heart. If the heart does not accompany duty, then it is speaking, not praying. Answer number three. A spiritual prayer is a fervent prayer. An effectual fervent prayer avails much. James 5.16 The heart, like the mainspring, should carry the affections in a most zealous and rapid manner. Fervency is the wing of prayer by which it ascends to heaven. Prayer is expressed by sighs and groans. Romans 8.26 It is not so much the gifts of the Spirit as the groans of the Spirit God likes. Prayer is called a wrestling, Genesis 32:24, and a pouring out of the soul, 1 Samuel 1:15. Prayer is compared to incense, Psalm 141:2. Incense without fire makes no sweet smell. Prayer without fervency is like incense without fire. 
Christ prayed with strong cries and tears, Hebrews 5.7. Crying prayer prevails. When the heart is inflamed in prayer, a Christian is carried, as it were, in a fiery chariot up to heaven. Answer 4. A spiritual prayer is what comes from a broken heart. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, Psalm 51.17. The incense was to be beaten, one, to typify the breaking of the heart in prayer. It is not the eloquent tongue but the melting heart that God accepts. Oh, says a Christian, I cannot pray as others do. As Moses said to the Lord, I am not eloquent, but can you weep and sigh? Does your soul melt out at your eyes? God accepts broken expressions when they come from broken hearts. I have read of a plant that bears no fruit, but weeps forth a kind of gum which is very costly. So though you do not flourish with those gifts and expressions as others do, Yet if you can weep for tears from a contrite heart, the, these are exceedingly precious to God, and he will put them in his bottle. Jacob wept in prayer and had power over the angels. Hosea 12.4 Answer 5. A spiritual prayer is a believing prayer. Whatever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Matthew 21.22 the reason why so many prayers suffer shipwreck is because they split against the rock of unbelief. Praying without faith is like shooting without bullets. When faith takes prayer by the hand, then we draw near to God. We should come to God in prayer as the leper did. Lord, if you will, you can heal me. Matthew 8, 2. It is a disparagement to deity to have such a whisper in the heart that God's ear is heavy and cannot hear. Isaiah 59, 1. What is said of the people of Israel may be applied to prayer. They could not enter in because of unbelief. Hebrews 3.19 Answer 6. A spiritual prayer is a holy prayer. Therefore lift up holy hands. 1 Timothy 2.8 Prayer must be offered on the altar of a pure heart. Sin that is lived in makes the heart hard and God's ear deaf. Sin stops the mouth of prayer. Sin does what the thief does to the traveler. It puts a gag in his mouth so he cannot speak. Sin poisons and infects prayer. A wicked man's prayer is sick from the plague. And will God come near him? The lodestone loses its virtue when it is spread with garlic. So does prayer when it is polluted with sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Psalm 66.18 It is foolish to pray against sin and then to sin against prayer. A spiritual prayer... Sorry, a spiritual prayer, like the spirits of wine, must be refined and taken off the lees and dregs of sin, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Malachi 3.3 3. If the heart is holy, this altar will sanctify the gift. Answer 7. A spiritual prayer is a humble prayer. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. Psalm 10.17 Prayer is asking for alms, which requires humility. The publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes to heaven, but beat upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Luke 18.13 God's incomprehensible glory may even amaze us and strike a holy consternation into us when we approach near to him. O oh my God, I blush to lift up my face to you. Ezra 9.6 It is lovely to see a poor nothing lie prostrate at the feet of its maker. Behold, I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. I who am but dust and ashes, the lower the heart descends, the higher the prayer ascends. A spiritual answer eight. A spiritual prayer is when we pray in the name of Christ. 
To pray in the name of Christ is not only to name Christ in prayer, but to pray in the hope and confidence of Christ's meditation. As a child claims his estate in the right of his father who purchased it, so we come for mercy in Christ's name, who has purchased it for us in his blood. Unless we pray thus, we do not pray at all. No, we rather provoke God, as it was with Uzziah when he wanted to offer incense without a priest. God was angry and struck him with leprosy, 2 Chronicles 26, 16-19. So when we do not come in Christ's name in prayer, we offer up incense without a priest. And what can we expect to, but to meet with wrath? Answer 9. A spiritual prayer is when we pray out of love for prayer. A wicked man may pray, but he does not love prayer. Will he delight himself in the in the Almighty? Job 27.10 A godly man is carried on the wings of delight. He is never so well as when he is praying. He is not forced with fear, but fired with fear, but fired with love. I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Isaiah 56.7 Answer 10 A spiritual prayer is when we have spiritual ends in prayer. There is a vast difference between a spiritual prayer and a carnal desire. The ends of a hypocrite are secular and carnal. He looks a squint in prayer. It is not the sense of his spiritual needs that moves him, but rather lust. You ask a miss, you ask a miss that you may spend it on your lusts. James four three. The sinner prays more for food than grace. God does not interpret this as praying, but as howling. They howled upon their beds. They assembled for corn and wine. Hosea seven fourteen. Prayers which lack a good aim lack a good answer. A godly man has spiritual ends in prayer. He sends out his prayer as a merchant sends out his ship, that he may have large returns of spiritual blessings. His design in prayer is that his heart may be more holy, and that he may have more communion with God. A godly man engages in the trade of prayer, that he may increase the stock of grace. Answer 11. A spiritual prayer is accompanied with the use of means. There must be means as well as prayer. When Hezekiah was sick, he not only prayed for recovery, but he laid a lump of figs to the boil. Isaiah 38.21 This is how it is in the case of the soul. When we pray against sin and avoid temptations, when we pray for grace and improve opportunities for it, this is laying a fig to the boil which will make us recover. To pray for holiness and neglect its means is like winding up the clock and pulling off the weights. Answer 12. A spiritual prayer is that which leaves a spiritual frame, a spiritual frame behind upon the heart. A Christian is better after prayer. He has gotten more strength over sin as a man gets strength by exercise. The heart after prayer keeps a tincture of holiness as the vessel savors and relishes of the wine that is put into it. Having been with God on the mount, Moses' faced, face shined. So too, having been on the mount of prayer, our grace shines and our lives shine. This is the sign of a godly man. He prays in the Spirit. This is the right kind of praying. The gift of prayer is ordinary, like culinary fire. But spiritual prayer is more rare and excellent, like elementary fire which comes from heaven. Use 1. Is a godly man of a praying spirit? If so, then these exclude a man from being godly. 1. Those who do not pray at all. Their houses are unhallowed houses. It is made the note of a reprobate that he does not call upon God. Psalm 14.4 Does that indigent creature think he will have alms if he never asks for it? Do they think they will have mercy from God who never seek it? Truly then God would befriend them more than he did his own son. 
He offered up prayers and supplications with strong cries. Hebrews 5.7 None of God's children are tongue-tied. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Galatians 4.6 Creatures by the instinct of nature cry to God. The young ravens cry. Psalm 147.9 The lions seek their meat from God. Psalm 104.21 Not to cry to God is worse than brutish. Number two, others may pray, but it is seldom, like that profane atheist that Halen speaks of, who told God that he was no common beggar, he had never troubled him before, and if God would hear him now, he would never trouble him again. Number three, others may pray, but not in the Holy Spirit, Jude 20. They are rather parrots than weeping doves. Their hearts do not melt in prayer. They exercise their invention more than their affection. Use 2. Because you would prove the new birth, cry, Abba, Father. Be men of prayer. Pray at least twice a day. In the temple there was the morning and evening sacrifice. Daniel prayed three times a day. Indeed, he so loved prayer that he would not neglect prayer to save his life. Daniel 6.10 Luther spent three hours every day in prayer. Object. But what need is there of prayer when God has made so many promises of blessings? Answer. Prayer is the condition annexed to the promise. Promises turn upon the hinge of prayer. I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. Ezekiel 36.37 A king promises a pardon, but it must be sued for. David had a promise that God would build him a house, but he sues for the promise by prayer. 2 Samuel 7.25 Christ himself had all the promises made sure to him, and yet he prayed and spent whole nights in prayer. Therefore, if you would be counted godly, be given to prayer. Prayer sanctifies your mercies, 1 Timothy 4.5. Prayer weeds out sin. Prayer waters grace. That I may encourage Christians and hold up their heads in prayer, as Aaron and Hur held up Moses' hands, Exodus 17.12. Let me propound these few considerations. 1. Prayer is a seed sown in God's ear. Other seeds sown in the ground may be picked up by the birds, but this seed, especially if watered with tears, is too precious to lose. Number two, consider the power of prayer. The apostle, having set out the whole armor of a Christian, brings in prayer as the chief part, Ephesians 6.18. Without this, says Zanchius, all the rest are of little little worth. By prayer, Moses divided the Red Sea. By prayer, Joshua stopped the course of the sun and made it stand still. Joshua 10.13 Indeed, prayer made the Son of Righteousness stand still, and Jesus stood still. Luke 18.40 Prayer is the inlet to all blessings, spiritual and temporal. When Aurelius Antonius went against the Germans, he had in his army a regiment of Christians, who upon their earnest prayer obtained rain for the refreshment of his army and because of the power of their prayers, he called them the Thundering Regiment. Prayer has a power in it to destroy the insolent enemies of the church. We read that the two witnesses have a flame on their lips. Fire proceeds out of their mouths, which devours their enemies. Revelation 11, 3 and 5. This fire is certainly to be interpreted as their prayers. David prayed, Lord, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. 2 Samuel fifteen thirty one. This prayer made Ahithophel hang himself. Moses' prayer against Amalek did more than Joshua's sword. Prayer has a kind of omnipotence in it. It has raised the dead, overcome angels, 
cast out devils, it has influence upon God himself. Exodus 32.10 Jacob's prayer held God. I will not let you go till you bless me. Genesis 32.26 Prayer finds God free, but leaves him bound. Number three, that Jesus prays over our prayers again. He takes the dross out and presents nothing but pure gold to his Father. Christ mingles his sweet aromas with the prayers of the saints. Revelation 5.8 Think of the dignity of his person. He is God and the sweetness of his relationship. He is a son. Oh, then what encouragement is here for us to pray? Our prayers are put in the hand of a mediator, though as they come from us they are weak and imperfect. Yet as they come from Christ they are mighty and powerful. Number four. Consider the sweet promises which God has made. Sorry, which God has made for prayer. He will be very gracious to you at the voice of your cry. Isaiah thirty nineteen. Then you shall go and pray to me, and I will hearken to you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah twenty nine twelve and thirteen. Before they call, I will answer, and while they are still speaking, I will hear. These promises isaiah 64 24 these promises keep the head of prayer above water god is bound with his own promises as samson was bound with his own hair let us then double our files and with our savior pray yet more earnestly luke 22:44. let us be importunate suitors and resolve with bernard that we will not come away from god without god prayer is a petard which will make the heaven's gates fly open question how shall we go about praying rightly? Answer. Implore the Spirit of God, praying in the Holy Spirit, Jude 20. The Holy Spirit both authors prayer and inflames it. God understands no other language but that of His Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit that you may pray in the Holy Spirit. All right, that is our reading for today from Thomas Watson's A Godly Man's Picture. And it lays it out very quickly and or clear, clearly. And, and I've, I've kind of forgot to say this for the last couple of evenings, but while this is called the godly man's picture, this is about the godly person. This is men and women. Um, and, and this one, this one, I mean, the one last evening about the godly man as a humble man, um, it, it, I, I have trouble believing we're Christian if we are not humble. We may not start out very humble, but we should be humbled more and more. We should become more and more humble. And in this... The godly man is a man of prayer, is a prayerful man. The godly person is a prayerful person. I don't know anybody out there, no matter how heavy their prayer life is, that would claim they have a good prayer life. They would always consider that their prayer life needs improving. If you're comfortable with your prayer life, I would question you because you, you, need, you need to check on that. Do not be comfortable with your prayer life. Work to pray more. Work to spend more time in prayer. We are called to pray without ceasing. And that's what we must be about if we are truly Christians. All right. Well, in that vein, let's go ahead and close out this evening with the seventh day evening prayer, future blessing. Let's pray. O Lord God, there is no blessing we implore, but thou art able to give, hast promised to give, hast given already to countless multitudes, all unworthy and guilty like ourselves. Make us willing to receive the supply of our need from thy bounty. To this end, convince us of sin. Soften our hard hearts to bewail our folly, ingratitude, pride, unbelief, rebellion, corruption. Though the law may, through the law may we die to the law, then look with wonder 
submission, delight to the provision thou hast made, for the glory of thy name and the salvation of sinners. Give us a hope that makes us not ashamed, a love that excites to holy obedience, a joy in thee that is our strength, a faith in thy Son who loved us and died for us. May we persevere in duty when not fully conscious of thee, wait upon thee and keep thy ways, be humble and earnest suppliants at thy feet, live continually as on the brink of eternity. Let us be at thy disposal for the duties and events of life. Submit our preferences to thy wisdom and will. Resign our enjoyments, if thou shouldst require it, as our absolute proprietor and best friend. In our unworthiness and provocations, make us grateful for the means of grace and the ordinances of religion, and teach us to profit by them more than we have done. Help us to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day, to enter upon the Sabbath mindful of its solemnities, duties, privileges, setting all things worldly aside while we worship thee. May we know the blessedness of men whose strength is in thee, and in whose hearts are the highways to heaven. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with us, um, or this time with me. I hope, again, I hope this reading has benefited you. I hope you have a wonderful evening, and God willing, I'll see you in the morning. Have a good one. God, God bless. Thank you.